here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin, our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. You know, I wasn't supposed to be on the radio this evening. I've got two parents who are very ill, and I've been in Florida. A, My wife's aunt passed away yesterday, and I will not be here tomorrow. Uh, I'll be attending the funeral. But I have to be honest with you folks, I'm watching what's happening to this country, I'm watching the news coverage, I'm watching the McCain funeral, I'm watching all these things, and I felt I needed to spend these three hours with you. And what I want to address tonight is what's taken place in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee. I want to address this Chuck Todd op-ed the McCain funeral, a New York Times piece, and a Woodward book. And I don't know that I'll get to all of it, but they're all of the same genre. All of the same genre. Now, I'm watching these Supreme Court hearings as my wife and I are flying on JetBlue, and I'm listening to it. And I'm watching the Democrats. And I'm thinking to myself, they accuse Trump of destroying our institutions. They accuse Trump of changing that which is normal to abnormal. Well, there they are on full display. Trashing the hearings process that started under Bork, Then Clarence Thomas and throughout. First they wanted to filibuster justices. Then they didn't want to filibuster justices. Same with judges. The ends justify the means. Kavanaugh is not controversial. He may even wind up to be uh, a, a relative activist justice for all I know. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But I have questions for some liberals. So, Mr. Call Screener, keep a couple lines open for the left, will you please? Exactly how would you interpret the Constitution? I'm watching these clowns, these fools on the Democrat side go on and on about following judicial precedent. But if we follow judicial precedent, the Dred Scott decision would still be in place, upholding slavery. By the way, a Democrat position with a Democrat Supreme Court, a Democrat Chief Justice, Taney. If we follow judicial precedent, Plessy versus Ferguson, separate but equal, is equal, would still be the law of the land. It took Brown versus Board of Education 58 years later or so to reverse it. If we followed Supreme Court precedent, the rounding up of Japanese Americans and Americans of Japanese descent and sending them into the interior of the country in internment camps 
by Franklin Roosevelt would still be the law of the land. And I could go on and on and on. The Supreme Court has some good decisions. The Supreme Court has some bad decisions. It is the Constitution that must be complied with. And yet, when you get constitutionalists, people who believe in the text and looking at original intent, they are attacked as supporting dirty air and dirty water, as opposing women and equal rights, as not having compassion. In other words, as I've said over and over and over again, as I wrote in my very first book, Men in Black, for the progressive statist, the Supreme Court is where the action is. Why is the Supreme Court where the action is? Because all they need is five members to dictate their agenda. And that's exactly what's going on. They'll let the constitutionalists have maybe three seats, potentially four, but never five. Then they call a right-wing court that hates women and hates minorities and so forth and so on. It is the Democrat Party that has politicized this entire process. Do you know when William O. Douglas was nominated the longest-serving justice, as I recall, I believe he was questioned for about three hours. That was it. And before William O. Douglas, nominees did not even appear before the Senate Judiciary Committee. Their papers were filed. But the Supreme Court has become so powerful, so political, so activist, so in many ways post-constitutional, that these battles take place. But I've got to understand from the left, how do you interpret the Constitution? How do you interpret the Constitution, especially given the fact that your heroes, Woodrow Wilson, among others, the founders of the modern-day progressive movement, reject the Constitution. They reject separation of powers. They reject limited government. They reject balance of powers. They reject federalism. They attack the Constitution. And herein lies the problem, ladies and gentlemen. For the progressive statists, how can they support upholding the Constitution when they reject the Constitution? They throw the name around. They demand that their policies and their ideas be enshrined in the Constitution. But they don't support the Constitution. Over and over again, they tell us the Constitution was written and ratified by slaveholders. That our very founding is illegitimate. They say, read the Constitution. There's slavery in there. Of course, there's not. And they're never put to the test. They're never put to the test. A justice should follow judicial precedent when that judicial precedent is legitimate. Now, what does that mean? Legitimate in that it embraces the Constitution. If there was an activist court and they ruled a certain way or a particular way on a matter that does not embrace our Constitution, then it's not a legitimate precedent. 
like Dred Scott, like Plessy versus Ferguson, like Korematsu, and on and on. Then I hear these Democrats on the Senate Judiciary Committee give their laundry list of the progressive political agenda. And if you don't support it, they're not going to vote for you. But that's not the job of a justice. The job of a justice is to try and take the facts, look at the case, look at the parties, and do a constitutional analysis. That doesn't mean all constitutionalists will come to the same result. There were times when Clarence Thomas... And just and uh, Antonin Scalia disagreed, but they followed the process. They embraced the process. But that's not what the progressive status uh, status do. There's no reason why the Supreme Court should have nationalized the issue of prayer. There's no reason why the Supreme Court should nationalize the issue, any social issue. There's no reason why the Supreme Court should have nationalized the issue of abortion. Society evolves or devolves. These are political issues. These are social issues. These are cultural issues. They're not constitutional issues for the most part. They are what I call constitutionalized. So the activists on the Supreme Court can get their hands on them and nationalize a, a, a policy and impose it on the rest of the nation. There are three branches of government. The weakest was supposed to be the judiciary. Now it's the most powerful. But what bothered me most about the hearings today wasn't even any of that. The Democrats on the committee telling us that this democracy faces grave threats because of the President of the United States. Grave threats. Our institutions have never been threatened. Not like this. All through the McCain, week-long memorial, seemed like 10 years' worth. Same thing. Trump threatens our democracy. Our civility. Same thing. Now the Woodwork book. Trump is a dunce. Trump is scary. Trump is this. Trump is that. The entire institution of Washington and the elites, in every platform they can, in any forum possible, trying to convince you that Donald Trump is a threat to the fabric of this nation. Now... Let's try and set some of this record straight. Whether you agree with Trump on everything or not is quite beside the point. It wasn't Trump who rounded up Japanese Americans and put them in internment camps. It was their great hero, Franklin Roosevelt. It wasn't Trump who tried to pack the Supreme Court by adding, what was it, six additional justices. That was their great hero, Franklin Roosevelt. Oh, and they're very, very supportive of Jeff Sessions now. The President of the United States is threatening Jeff Sessions. Threatening him to do his dirty work. This from the party of Eric Holder. This from the party of Loretta Lynch. This from the party of Janet Reno. And I could go on and on and on. And I remember as Chief of Staff to Attorney General Edward Meese in the Reagan administration. We didn't get any lectures about stand strong, Department of Justice. 
Stand strong. No, it was Mies must resign. Daily attacks on the Department of Justice day in and day out and day in and day out. Oh, and you can't attack the Supreme Court. You can't attack the justices. The left does it all the time. All the time. To listen to this is so disgusting. They don't have enough documents, they say, ladies and gentlemen. Did you listen to these Democrats? Do they read much, actually? Even the questions they asked are written for them by staffers. They're looking down at their paper for their bullet points. They're looking down at their paper from their orders from Chuck Schumer. They want more documents, they say. They've already announced that they're going to oppose Kavanaugh. Half of them wouldn't meet with Kavanaugh. But they want more documents, they say. Except, of course, when it came to the IRS. Then they didn't want to know anything. Except when it comes to Benghazi. Then they didn't want to know anything. Except when it comes to the FBI interfering in our election. They don't want documents. They don't want to know anything. But Kavanaugh, they want to know all about Kavanaugh when he was serving as secretary to President George W. Bush. You know what the job of secretary to George W. Bush is? It's a paper pusher. Paper pusher. They see the Supreme Court as their Politburo. And they intend to protect the majority. If you understand the progressives and what they've written and what I wrote about them in Rediscovering Americanism, you know this is exactly what they wanted to create. An iron-fisted court at the top of the heap, more powerful than the other branches, where the elitists out of the Ivy League schools, they told us this, will be able to impose their will on this unruly country, this big unruly country. Screw the separation of powers and all the branches and so forth. Whether we win elections, they said, or lose elections. We will be able to advance the agenda. So the question is, for the left, how do you interpret the Constitution? Oh, it's living and breathing. Really. How many of you have signed living and breathing contracts? How many of you have living and breathing mortgages? How many of you have living and breathing car loans? And we're talking here about the law of the land. It's people who are living and breathing. That's why the framers created a limited document. Government isn't supposed to be ubiquitous. It's supposed to be the opposite. It's supposed to be the opposite. How can it be? Nine justices. That one justice, creating a majority of five, can determine what a fundamental right is. One justice can determine what a fundamental right is. And the entirety of the civil society has no recourse. None. Is that what the Constitution says? No, it doesn't say that. Do you believe that the men who fought the revolution in this country would have created such an oligarchy? They didn't. Do you believe that the ratifiers in the states would have said, yes, let's ratify this Constitution so the Supreme Court can tell the states what to do whenever the Supreme Court decides? Of course they didn't. 
This is why they fight the way they fight. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. The Democrats want more documents. There's one document, though, that they reject the Constitution. No, you don't. They want more documents. Not more. Do- no, no. What about the document called the Constitution? Tell me, what have the Democrats done in the last half century to strengthen the United States Constitution? Who among them speaks out in defense of the United States Constitution? Which one of their justices, in their various opinions, have sought to uphold the Constitution? How can you be a progressive statist and support the text and the original intent of the United States Constitution? How can you possibly be when in fact your entire ideology, your political ideology, condemns the Constitution, condemns the founders, condemns the framers, even condemns the Declaration of Independence? How is it possible that those Democrats on that committee are serious about upholding the Constitution. They're not. I'll be right back. Mark Levin, making conservatism great again. Dial in now, 877-381-3811. Tell me, what has Kamala Harris done since she's been in the United States Senate? What has she done? What great or profound achievement can she point to, not just in the United States Senate, in any of the public positions she's held? None. None. But she's playing to the hard left of the Democrat Party. You know what? That's not even correct. They are the hard left of the Democrat Party. And here she is at the hearing today. Cut one, go. I welcome everyone to this confirmation hearing on the nomination of Mr. Judge Chairman. Brett All right, Kevin. so the, the hearing is four seconds long, and she jumps in. Go ahead. Chairman. To serve as Associate Justice. Mr. Chairman, I'd like Supreme to be recognized for United a question States. before we proceed. Regular order, Chairman. Mr. Chairman, I'd like to be recognized to ask so a question. So let's stop here. Oh, that Trump with this tweeting. Oh, the Trump with this, the Trump with that. Here she is already violating several hundred years of protocol. The chairman has barely begun the hearing, and she's disrupting the hearing. This was the plan. She wanted to do it. They organized it. But you see, it's Trump who's violating the norms. It's Trump who's not following the rules, right? There she is. Kamala Harris, go. Proceed. The committee received just last night, less than 15 hours ago, 42,000 pages of documents that we have not had an opportunity to So she's to way out of order. She doesn't weigh her turn. She doesn't raise it properly through parliamentary rules and the rules of the committee. But it doesn't matter. Go ahead. 
or read or analyze. You are out, you're out of order. I'll proceed. We cannot possibly move forward, Mr. Chairman. I extend this a very warm welcome we not to Judge given Kavanaugh. An to have a meeting. So what do you do in the United States Senate? There you are trying to run a committee, and you have a member who goes rogue. You have a member who's a protester, who won't follow the rules. For the whole damn week, we heard about civility. Oh, John McCain's civility. Everybody knows in so many ways in the United States Senate, John McCain was not civil. Let's be honest. I talked about it last week. The backbenchers have now joined in. He was a great military hero. He was a lousy senator. That's the truth. Day after day after day, we had to hear lies about part of his career. And now we see Kamala Harris. Look what she's doing. Very uncivil. Violating the rules, breaking the norms, but that's okay. Protest by the left, even by a senator, is fine. President tweets, oh, that's way out of order. He's not doing the norm, you know, he's breaking the rules. All day long during these hearings, the Democrats were breaking the rules. Didn't matter. Go ahead. Ashley, there are two daughters. Mr. Chairman, I agree with my colleague, Senator Harris. Oh, and then I think that's Klobuchar, whatever the hell she calls herself. She jumps in. Oh, I agree. I agree. Now, they already organized this, as you'll see in a moment. I agree with my colleague. I really do. Go ahead. We received 42,000 documents that we haven't and been everyone able else joining to review us last today. night. And we believe this hearing should I know be postponed. This but you're in the minority. You don't get to postpone the hearing. You don't get to interrupt the hearings. If you want to join the rabble-rousers in the crowd, then step down from the podium and go do it. Cory Booker. Cut three, go. Mr. Chairman, I appeal to the chair to recognize myself or one of my colleagues. You're out of order. Mr. Chairman, I appeal to be recognized on your sense of decency and integrity. Even the documents you have requested, Mr. Chairman, even the ones that you said, the limited documents you have requested, this committee has not received. And the documents we have, you, sir, have limited committee confidentiality. Why do they all make the same exact argument? Have you thought about that? Why do they all make the same exact argument? Because it's a plot. It's a ploy. They haven't seen enough documents. Not one of them. Who's squawking is going to vote for him? Cory Booker's doing fundraising emails today. Stop Kavanaugh. Everyone knows Kamala Harris has no intention of voting for the guy. He didn't even have to show up for the hearing she would vote against him. Go ahead. This committee, sir, is a violation of even the values I've heard you talk about time and time again. The committee is a violation of the values he's heard him talk about time and again. What This guy, you know, he proves himself daily to be an absolute idiot. Go ahead. The ideals that we should have. What is the rush? What, what are we trying to hide by not having the documents out front? What is with the rush? What are we hiding? I'll by tell not- you what, what the rush is, and there's no hiding. The rush is to get a constitutionalist on the Supreme Court just in case you guys over the Senate. So it's political. No, it's constitutional. 
There's nothing wrong with that. Go ahead. Documents come out. Sir, this committee is a violation of the values. Tell me, Mr. Booker, which documents have you already read of the half a million documents that they provided to you? Tell me, which ones have you read? Which ones did you find compelling? Which ones did you find useless? Which ones? Go ahead. Driven for transparency. We are rushing through this process in a way that is unnecessary. And I, I appeal. That's enough. Then we have Richard Blumenthal. This guy takes the cake. This guy is creepy. Mr. I served in combat in Vietnam. Oops. I guess I didn't. And the leftists in Connecticut, the nutmeg state, are so worked up about him, they still vote for him to be in the United States Senate. Well, he just lied. <laughs> Who cares? Go ahead. Cut five, please. Mr. Chairman, I renew my motion to adjourn and Senator Harris' motion to postpone. I ask for a second. Second the motion. Mr. Chairman, I ask for a vote. I ask that we I don't know. reconvene in I a second have, session I sh- I and have a have vote. I have to explain to you we're having a hearing. So they're it's- disrupting the hearing. The cameras are on. They're doing their fan dance. Meanwhile, it's Donald Trump, you see, who doesn't follow the rules, who's a grave threat to democracy. See what I'm saying? It's all turned upside down. One week of memorial of memorials for John McCain. Of course we're all sympathetic to the family and so forth. But they created a political and public spectacle. As I said last week, it was more about Donald Trump than it was the death of John McCain. Even the daughter goes on about it. You'll never find me doing that at any uh, funeral for my parents, I can tell you that. It's about family and faith, period. I don't want a single damn politician or reporter within a mile of us. Go ahead. We're uh, not in executive session. Uh, that'd be the proper forum for entertaining motions. I ask so, that we reconvene so, in executive session. We, we, so we, won't, we won't vote on Senator Blumenthal's suggestion. We won't follow your suggestion uh, well, to, it's a motion, uh, to, Mr. Go, Chairman. to go into executive session. Uh, motions uh, would not be proper at this time. Mr. Chairman, it's a panic. So who's screaming there? Is it a protester in the audience or one of the senators? Can you tell them apart? I can't tell them apart. Go ahead. Before the committee. So you see, you see, this is what the Democrats want. They want everybody at each other's throats. Whether it's balkanizing based on race or balkanizing based on uh, social issues or balkanizing based on on economic issues, whatever it is, they want everybody at each other's throats. And then they blame Trump. They blame Trump. The media blame Trump for creating this environment. You know, I thought about this today. I was on the plane with my wife, Donald Trump. Donald Trump shows up at the first debate. And at this point, I was backing Cruz, by the way. Donald Trump shows up at the first Republican debate. Is he asked a a legitimate question? Is he asked a policy question? Is he treated with respect? No. Megyn Kelly jumps right in. 
you said this about Rosie O'Donnell, and you said this about Rosie O'Donnell. So from, from the get-go, when the race began, when the first shot was fired in the air for the race to begin, it was, let's trash this guy. And that's the way it's been ever since. Nothing he does is reported. Nothing he does in sense of positive policy advances is, is reported. The economy's chugging along. There've been great, there's been great progress made in rebuilding our military. Great progress made with the courts. Of course, the left hates that. And trying to secure our southern border. Great progress made in the Middle East and other parts of the world. But you don't hear about it. Instead, you're told he's this grave threat to our democracy by the very people who are undermining a Senate hearing for a Supreme Court justice. Go ahead. Mr. Chairman, if if there is no vote on this motion, which has been properly seconded and which could be given a vote in executive session, this process will be. All right. When we come back and we will. The Democrat, the Democrat plot is revealed by Senator Tillis of North Carolina. And Dick Durbin has to confess. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You know, folks, today I'm here to talk about Congress. No, not about the upcoming elections, though those are obviously very important. I'm here to talk about Hillsdale's groundbreaking new online course, Congress, How It Used to Work, and Why It Doesn't. And that title right there sums up why you need to take this course. Hillsdale College teaches, better than anyone anywhere, the Constitution and how our government is supposed to work. And in this course, you'll learn exactly what Congress should be doing, and what it shouldn't, how it got to the state it's in today, and how we can start to restore a more constitutional Congress. The course is free to you, my listeners, and when you pre-register, you'll reserve your place for when it launches on Constitution Day, September 17. What's more, with this course, Hillsdale has created an entirely new online course experience that has to actually be experienced to be believed. Just go to levinforhillsdale.com, that's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, right now to register. And it's free, so don't delay. Reserve your spot today at levinforhillsdale.com, that's levinforhillsdale.com. All right, here we go. Senator Tillis and then Senator Durbin at the Senate Judiciary Committee today. Cut six, go. Mr. Chairman, I'm uh, confused because I heard earlier that this was a, uh, a reaction to the document releases last night. But I'm, I'm reviewing a tweet from uh, NBC that said Democrats plotted coordinated protest strategy over the holiday weekend. All agreed to disrupt and protest the hearing, sources tell me. And subsequent Dem leader, led a, uh, Chuck Schumer, led a phone call and committee members are executing now. So I just want to be clear. None of the members on this committee participated in that phone call or that strategy before the documents were released yesterday. Is this, uh, is, are you suggesting that this allegation is false? Chairman, this is outrageous. Uh, Senator Durbin. Mr. Hold Chairman. on, hold on. Did you hear Kamala Harris? I believe it was her. Oh, this is outrageous. This is outrageous. 
That senator dared to question what we're doing here? This is outrageous. In other words, it's a cabal. They're uprooting the, the decorum of the Senate, the rules that have been in place, the way things are done. You thought that was Trump. The Democrats, the leftists, that is the progressive status, do this every waking day. They disrupt the norm. They disrupt customs. They disrupt traditions. They disrupt our, our, our uh, enshrined principles. That's what they do. That's why they exist. So when Trump fights back or Ted Cruz fights back or any conservative fights back, all of a sudden there's something freakish about you. Go ahead. There was a phone conference yesterday. And I can tell you at the time of the phone conference, many issues were raised. One of the issues was the fact that over 100,000 documents related to Judge Kavanaugh have been characterized by the chairman of the committee as committee confidential. Now, let me tell you why a lot of these documents are committee confidential. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you why other documents haven't been turned over. And it is interesting. These are the same Democrats that when the Republicans are trying to get information out of the FBI information out of the Department of Justice, information out of our intelligence agencies for interfering in our election. The Democrats defend the departments and the agencies against transparency. The reason why so much of this material isn't revealed is because when you are, and he was, counsel to the president for a period of time, that is a privilege that a president and a counsel have, one with the other. Executive privilege, and in some instances, attorney-client privilege. It is a privilege. Presidents have had that privilege from day one. Otherwise, no president can ever get counsel from his or her counsel if Congress has the right to get it. So it's a separation of powers issue. Hello, separation of powers issue. So while these demagogic frauds are barking and screaming and yelling about the Constitution. At every turn, they seek to eviscerate the Constitution. So the president and the executive branch have a right to maintain certain information on a confidential basis. Not all information, but certain information. Go ahead. Hello? Okay, that's it. That's it for Mr. Durbin. Ted Cruz was outstanding today, as you can imagine. Cut seven, go. It's important to understand today is also not about documents. We've heard a lot of arguments this morning about documents. There's an old saying for trial lawyers. If you have the facts, pound the facts. If you have the law, pound the law. If you have neither, pound the table. We're seeing a lot of table pounding this morning. The Democrats are focused on procedural issues because they don't have substantive points strong enough to derail this nomination. They don't have substantive criticism with Judge Kavanaugh's actual judicial record, so they're trying to divert everyone with procedural issues. But let's talk about the documents for a moment. The claims that the Democrats are putting forward on documents don't withstand any serious scrutiny. Judge Kavanaugh has produced... 511,948 pages of documents. That includes more than 17,000 pages in direct response to this committee's written questionnaire, which is the most comprehensive response ever submitted to this committee. The more than a half million pages of documents turned into this committee 
is more than the number of pages we've received for the last five Supreme Court nominees combined. Then, okay, I've got a little bit more. We'll carry it over into the next hour. Then I want to move on as I tie these various issues together. You got to stand strong, America. We are under attack. We are under attack. Yes, we are. Our values, our principles, our candidates, they're all under attack. And we intend to fight back. And I will be right back. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Anybody worried about the uh, Democrats? And their lack of class and decorum, their protests as members of the Senate on a committee, the way that they uh, disrupted the hearings today. Well, why do they trash Trump when he stands up and tweets and disrupts the way Washington does things? How come there's something wrong with him, but there's nothing wrong with the Democrats? You see the double standard. Now we're doing slow motion video of... uh, one of the uh, victims, uh, fathers from the uh, Parkland massacre, going up to shake uh, Kavanaugh's hand as Kavanaugh's testifying there. And obviously, Kavanaugh has no idea who he is, and security moves him away. I don't know, folks. Seems like a very dangerous atmosphere in that committee room where people can just walk up to the, uh, to the Supreme Court nominee and, and conduct themselves this way. All right, a couple more, and then we're going to move along. Here is uh, Anderson. Well, let's do it this way. Chuck Schumer at the West Indian Parade in Brooklyn, New York yesterday. I want you to listen to this because I want you to keep something in mind. It really is Chuck Schumer, Ted Kennedy, and Joe Biden who've destroyed the hearing process generally and the judicial hearing process altogether. Those are the three stooges. They destroyed it. So to hear... Joe Biden going on and on about civility during one of the many uh, uh, seemed like infinite John McCain events is really incredible. Civility? So many lies were told during these these memorial events. So many lies were told by so many liars during these memorial events. Chuck Schumer, listen carefully, talking to You know, some guy who comes up to him. Really, we don't know who it is. So remember, this is yesterday in New York in Brooklyn at a parade. Cut 12, go. Hey, when are you going to beach him? Meaning Trump. The sooner the better. The sooner the better. That's not a question. That's not answering the question. Well, we got to get a few Republicans. The Democrats are on your side. There he is, Chucky Schmucky Sleazeball Schumer. Anderson Cooper on CNN yesterday. 
to normanize and former Obama White House ethics czar. You know, these are leftists talking to each other. This is this is the great uh, a golden era of the uh, of the media. Cut 14. Go. Also, it's not to be minimized. He's feeling the heat from uh, multiple investigations closing in. And this is not just about these two early allies of his. It's also about him. He wants to delegitimize the whole system because another thing I write about, uh, democracy is more powerful. Oh, than this great. Auto- another author. Another genius. Hey. As, like I write about, it, he wants to delegitimize the Obama guy. Delegitimize the whole sit. Now it's Obama, his IRS that goes after the Tea Party, right? It's Obama. It's his senior FBI officials who go after Trump. It's Obama, his senior intelligence officials and White House officials who unmask American citizens. It's Obama and Hillary. Who put a phony application into the FISA court to secure a warrant? Hey, hey, but he wants to delegitimize. Uh, shut up, you idiot. Go ahead. And it's coming for Donald Trump, so he's pushing back. You really believe that, though, that, that the institutions are stronger than, than, that are strong enough to, to resist this kind of thing from the President of the United States? Oh, what a jet Cooper. You really believe that, though? Uh, the institutions are stronger, strong enough to resist this kind of thing from the president of the United States? They, 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 look, listen, folks. American history is full of presidents who've done a hell of a lot more than Donald Trump ever thought about. A hell of a lot more than Donald Trump ever thought about. And most of them are Democrat presidents. The stuff that John Kennedy did and Robert Kennedy, the stuff that LBJ did, The stuff that Franklin Roosevelt did, officially and unofficially, incredible. But they paint Trump like he's he's just so way, oh my God, he's way out there. This unbelievable outlier. Oh, look how he tweets. Oh my God, he tweets. He's not having an affair with an intern, is he? No, he didn't have an affair with an East German spy, did he? No, no. As president, no. He wasn't working with the mob, was he, when he was... No, 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 no. Somebody else, but we're not... We can't go there. Can't go there. Camelot. Don't go there. Or LBJ, who out-womanized Kennedy. What did you say? That's the Great Society. Oh, sorry. Or what about Barack Milhouse, Benito Obama? And his unconstitutional act. Hey, it's for the people. For the little guy. And don't criticize him. You're not allowed to criticize him. Fundamental transformation and everything else. Boy, our system has been so thoroughly corrupted by this progressive status ideology. It's just unbelievable. The reporters are the mouthpieces for it. They're the mouthpieces for progressivism. Which brings me to this. A very long and stupid piece in the Atlantic by Chuck Todd. Chuck Todd, you may recall, is the host of Meet the Depressed. He also is uh, on MSLSD from time to time. He writes in The Atlantic, a well-known left-wing rag, it's time for the press to stop complaining and to start fighting back. So he admits right there that the press basically speak with one voice. There's a few outliers there, and they must be crushed. 
So Chuck Todd might as well work for Russia TV. He might as well be a Putin spokesman. I mean, he did come close. He worked for Tom Harkin once. A nearly 50-year campaign of vilification inspired by Fox News' Roger Ailes has left many Americans distrustful of media outlets. Now journalists need to speak up for their work. Now, let me explain something to you, dimwit. Many Americans were distrustful of you people long before Roger Ailes and Fox. We can think for ourselves. I've devoted, he writes, much of my professional life to the study of political campaigns, not as a historian or an academic. No, you're too stupid to be a historian or academic. But why don't you invite Chuck Todd on this program, Mr. Producer? You remember when I had an open invitation when my, one of my books came out to come on Meet the Press anytime I wanted? Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. And what did I say? Forget it. But let's, bring, let's invite Chuck Todd on, seriously. I thought I'd seen it all from the bizarre upset that handed a professional wrestler the governorship of Minnesota to the California recall that gave us the governor to candidates who die but stay on the ballot and win. Did you see it all? When a guy with less than two years Senate experience, who was pals with domestic terrorists, got elected president? How come that's not one of your examples? But there's a new kind of campaign underway, one that most of my colleagues and I never publicly reported on, never fully analyzed, never fully acknowledged. They campaigned to destroy the legitimacy of the American news media. Nobody's trying. Now, now notice the difference. Free press. And the American news media. You know there's a difference, right? Free press and the American news media. You and I support the Constitution, unlike the left. We support all of the Bill of Rights. We don't cherry pick, including freedom of the press. Many in the press cherry pick. They don't like the Second Amendment, the parts of the Fifth Amendment, that the Tenth Amendment's irrelevant. We don't even know what the Ninth Amendment says. You understand. The legitimacy of the American news media is being questioned by the American people, not because of Trump, not because of Fox, not because of talk radio, not because of me, but because the clowns that work in the media. Let me ask you something. How do these people get hired? What are the standards? I mean, when you hire a teacher, there are certain standards. You hire a cop, there are certain standards. You hire a firefighter, certain standards. Hire an electrician, a plumber, certain standards. You got to meet certain, you know, requirements, get certain certificates or lies. How do you become a reporter? What are the qualifications? There are none. Who are the editors? I don't know. Who are the managing it? I don't know. Who decides who's what? I don't know. No standards? Well, then how is it a profession? Just because they, they self-identify as a profession? Reporting is not a profession. I'm sorry. Editing is not a profession. It's a job. If you're an electrician, it's a profession. How do I know? There's certain requirements. There's certain standards. If you're a plumber, I know. If you're a truck driver, it's a profession. How do I know? There's certain standards, certain requirements. What are the requirements and standards for being a reporter on MSNBC? Name one. Or CNN. Oh, Mark, you must be anti-press. He goes on. These poor multimillionaire victims. Bashing the media for political gain isn't new. 
and neither is manipulating the media to support or oppose a cause. These practices are at least as old as the Gutenberg press. But antipathy toward the media right now has risen to a level I've never personally experienced before. Well, have you looked in the mirror? The closest parallel in recent American history is the hostility to reporters in the segregated South in the 1950s and said, well, there you go. We're all racist. Chuck Todd has declared that we're all racists. So if you question them, you knew it had to be. If you question the media, you're like the Southern segregationists. Chuck, you're the Democrat. Those weren't Republicans. Then as now, that hatred was artificially stoked by people who found that it could deliver them some combination of fame, wealth, and power. Here we go with the nut job conspiracy crap. Some of the wealthiest members of the media are not reporters from mainstream outlets. Figures such as Rush Limbaugh, Matt Drudge, and the trio of Sean Hannity, Tucker Carlson, and Laura Ingram have attained wealth and power by exploiting the fears of older white people. Now, how does he know that? How does he know that? And how are they exploiting the fears of older white people? They are thriving financially. And we hear this all the time, by the way. Wasn't it uh, Matt Lauer who was making like 15 million a year, Mr. Producer, or 20 or 22 million? Wasn't it something like that? And uh, Charlie Rose making like 20 million a year? These guys are making 20 million, 22, 15, 5 million. They're making a fortune. What are they whining about? Much of the current hand-wringing about the rise in press bashing and delegitimization has been focused on the president, who, as every reporter in America sadly knows, every reporter in America sadly knows, has declared the press the enemy of the people. How many times did Trump say, I said the fake press? But like much else in the Trump era, Donald Trump didn't start this fire. He's only spread it to a potentially more dangerous place. The modern campaign against the American press corps has its roots in the Nixon era. President Richard Nixon's angry foot soldiers continued his fight against the media even after he left office. That's not true. It started in the Nixon era? That's not true at all. Actually started with John Adams. I said the modern era. I said it actually started with John Adams. Talk uh, uh, Chuck Todd, you got to be careful how you say that guy's name fast. You might say a cuss word by accident. Chuck Todd. Uh, yeah, the Sedition Act. The Sedition Act, which was obviously supported by the Federalists and John Adams and helped cause his defeat. Eventually, long battle, uh, by the Republicans and Thomas Jefferson. And by the way, I might also remind everybody that it was Barack Obama, who's not even mentioned in here in any negative way, who unleashed his FBI, the top officials of the FBI against the Associated Press, against Fox, against other media outlets. But somehow, somehow this misses uh, Chuck Todd's a very uh, curious investigative uh, mindset. 
Roger Ailes, who went on to help found Fox, was the most important of those figures. His sustained assault on the press created the conditions that would allow President to surround himself with aides who argue for alternative facts and announce that truth isn't truth. Now, you see, this is the problem, Chuck. Truth isn't truth. We know exactly what Giuliani meant. Your low IQ can't keep up. He's saying that even if somebody testifies and they believe what they're saying is absolutely truthful based on their memory, and somebody else testifies and they believe what they say is absolutely truthful based on their memory, truth isn't truth. That's what's meant. Without Ailes, a man of Trump's background and character could never have won. You understand that, America? Chuck Todd is telling you that without Roger Ailes and Fox, Donald Trump could never have won. And yet... Without NBC, ABC, CBS, MSNBC, and CNN, Obama could never have won. Roger Ailes was the godfather of the Trump presidency. This is supposed to be a reporter. So I want to get Chuck Todd on here. I want to ask him what the standards are, where they're written. I want to ask him, is he a reporter or a commentator when he writes things like this? I want to ask him about his Democrat background and that of his wife and how he can maintain his objectivity. I want to get into all this. Because it's a funny thing. He names a lot of people in this. Did you notice, Mr. Producer? But he doesn't name me. So I assume he must like me. I mean, he did give me the open invitation to come on his program anytime I want. Anytime you want, come on the roundtable, Mark. Chuck, you have an open invitation to come on my program. And as Chuck Schumer would say, the sooner the better. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. says in his article here for me idle death threats are now the norm you know I receive death threats right Mr. Producer Mr. Producer doesn't even know all the death threats I receive yes a gentleman was dragged into court a couple months ago there are others but I don't, I don't talk about it on the air I don't write about it as if uh as if the left is responsible for it or, or the media are responsible for it or my opponents are responsible for it. It's utterly irresponsible to do that. You know, when we go to, when I do a book signing, we have two or three bodyguards there. Same with Rush, same with Sean, same with others. He says nothing here about Antifa. You know, he talks about the, the Fox guys and the how they've influenced you to be angry and hateful and all the rest, right? Has he looked at the hosts on MSNBC? Has he looked at the guests on MSNBC, his sister station, which are absolutely sickening? No, he hasn't. Chuck, you're invited on the program. Uh, 30 minutes, that's all we... I'll even... We'll do it for an hour. I'll be right back. him for middle ground there is no middle ground talk with mark levin now at 877-381-3811 is there ever a positive media day for trump 
I think that's a fair question, don't you, Mr. Producer? Is there ever a positive media day for Trump? I can't think of one. Tell me, Chuck Todd, is there ever a positive media day for Trump? And if not, why not? How about you, Jake Tapper? You know, the Todd piece is very revelatory. He claims to be speaking for the entire media mob. And uh, I think he may be. You see, if only we could shut down Fox. If only we could shut down conservative talk radio. If only we could shut down Drudge. Then you'd be getting the truth, you see, ladies and gentlemen. But this is how the progressive status mind works. It's autocratic. It's groupthink. And in one direction. They are not there to report the news. They are there to advance in ideology. And this is what makes it so different from the past. This is what makes it so different. And they claim to be a profession. And I keep asking the question, how so? How is Jake Tapper a professional when he used to work for a Democrat congresswoman and used to work for Handgun Control, Inc.? What makes him a professional reporter? What makes Chuck Todd a professional reporter when he used to work for Tom Harkin on Capitol Hill? What makes him a professional reporter? What makes George Stephanopoulos a professional reporter? Hosting a Sunday show, hosting the morning show over there at ABC from time to time. When he worked for the Clintons. And I go all down there. Why, why are they professionals? And how are they defending freedom of the press? I agree they're defending the American media as a group. But I'm asking how are they defending freedom of the press? And the public's negative view of the media is because of Trump. If you sit down and watch CNN... From morning, noon, tonight. Or you sit down and watch MSNBC from morning, noon, tonight. The reason so many Americans hate the media, and by the way, Chuck, not all older white Americans, as Chuck obviously has, a, uh, has the pulse of the nation. He knows which race watches what, which race does this, that, and the other. It's a real sick mind who thinks that way, but that's Chuck. The people come to their own conclusion. The fact is, Fox's ratings are through the roof, because it's one of the few places you can go to get a different viewpoint from their primetime lineup than you'll get anywhere else. I say this as somebody who who has a weekly program there, but I would say it otherwise. Yeah, so anyway... uh, For the progressive, you saw, I'm tying them together. You saw the Senate Judiciary Committee. You see it in Chuck Todd's piece. You saw it with the the long McCain memorial events. The pushing of an ideology. Whether it's memorials and a funeral, whether it's the media, the Senate Judiciary Committee, it doesn't matter. Because progressivism to succeed... Much like its older brother, communism, must be ubiquitous. It must have the final say. As I always say, it's like water. 
It's just there. And it just keeps spreading and spreading and spreading. You know, 99% of all office chairs are one size fits all. And as a result, your chair is not properly suited to your particular body size and your shape and comfort level. That's why you need the X chair. X chair's patented DVL, that's dynamic variable lumbar support, offers unparalleled support and comfort for your lower back. And I should know. You'll feel the difference the moment you sit down. I sit in this chair seven hours a day. And it's by far my favorite chair. My favorite chair ever. The DVL fits your back like a glove and moves with you throughout the day. You have to feel it to believe it. It's that spectacular. And it really is. Now, replacing, uh, let's see, uh, uh, hold on one second here. If you're a business owner, by the way, I strongly recommend giving X chairs to your entire staff. Just wait until you see how much your employees appreciate them and how productive they become. It's a very smart investment. Feel the X chair difference for yourself with the 30-day, listen to this, 30-day risk-free in-home trial. Now, here's a special deal just for you, my listeners. Go to xchairlevin.com, xchairlevin.com, and now get $100 off. That's xchairlevin.com, or you can call them. 1-844-4X-CHAIR. 1-844-4X-CHAIR. X-CHAIR comes with a 30-day, no-questions-asked guarantee of complete satisfaction. So go to xchair.com, xchairlevin.com, xchairlevin.com. And by the way, if you use code LEVINFOOTREST, LEVINFOOTREST, you'll get a free footrest to boot. xchairlevin.com. Folks, you want to see a photo of this chair? They're different colors and so forth. Go to my Facebook site, Mark Levin Show Facebook, and you'll see it right there. And that's the one I sit in, in the bunker, behind my desk, preparing for the show and doing the show. It's a great chair. So the media. We have Carl Bernstein on MSNBC. This guy's a washed-up slob. He's a leftist. You know, most of these, these uh, I, won't, I won't say that. Anyway, I want you to listen to this. Uh, he's being interviewed by, uh, by Baldwin. Brooke Baldwin. Cut 13, go. A lot of this has come from his own chief of staff. Now, let, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me start from the top. I apologize. So there's a new book out by um, Woodward. You know, there are certain hosts, I'll talk about Fox, there are certain hosts on Fox who embrace these liberals because they think they'll tell them stuff that's, wow, he said that, or Dershowitz said this. They always come back to bite you in the ass. They just do. Because in the end, they are what they are. Woodward's one of them. He, dis- he was on Fox a lot and then suddenly disappeared. Trump's been the president of the United States for about, what, 17 months? 17 months. So this book is coming out, right? Called Fear. Takes a couple of months, maybe three months, something like that, for a book to be pushed out. That is for a book to be printed, published, marketed. So really, Woodward wrote this book in the first uh, 12 to 13 months of the uh, Trump presidency. I know because I write books. First 12 to 13 months of the Trump presidency. 
Why did he write the book? Why He didn't wait three years, four years. He didn't wait to look back. None of that. Why did he do that? Because he's trying to harm the president. Every one of these books. Now, I'm sure Chuck Todd will push the hell out of it. But he'll never talk about how much money Woodward makes. They never talk about how much money leftists make in the media. And they make a ton. A ton. So he has these, these quotes in this book. From Mattis. From Dowd. From Kelly. Every single source is anonymous. Anonymous. This is what he does. He's done this in the past. He did it to Bill Casey. Claimed that he had interviewed Casey by his bedside as he was dying. Casey's wife, now widow, said no he didn't. That's a lie. If you or I wrote a book filled with anonymous sources, no publisher would ever run with it. None. General Mattis, lawyer John Dowd, General Kelly have all said that the quotes that have come out today attributed to them are not correct. They're false. They're fantasy. They're fiction. How the hell do you get to write a book like this? Every time I write a book, I have 200, 250, 300 footnotes. I don't have anonymous sources. You know how easy it would be to write a book like that? You know, writing this book on Kamala Harris, and I have 27 sources. But they'd never publish it. Nobody would ever believe me. So Woodward's out there. This is the latest one. It's almost like these publishers have one coming out every, every month, every two months. Amorosa. We heard from her for how long? Michael Wolf heard from him for how long? Oh, yeah, we got all kinds of books being written now. In order to, you know, defend us from this grave threat to our democracy. So Madison, Dowd, and Kelly have all said no. It's not correct. We didn't say those things. And here's Carl Bernstein on MSNBC today. Brooke Baldwin is the supposed professional host. Go ahead. A lot of this has come from his own chief of staff, from Mattis, as you just pointed out. And who knows what happens with their futures? The concern would be if there is a true uh, travesty. Who knows what happened to their futures? Well, Kelly's still chief of staff. Mattis is still secretary of defense, and they deny what's in the book. Baldwin, may I call you Baldwin? Go ahead. Elm of national security, Carl, and these people are replaced by yes men or women. Now, you see, you see, according to Chuck Todd, this is a real reporter, Brooke Baldwin. According to Jake Tapper, we're in the golden age of journalism. And we have a real professional here in Brooke Baldwin. You know, a lot of this has come from his own chief of staff, from Mattis, as you just pointed out. And who knows what happens with their futures? The concern would be if there's a true travesty in the realm of national security, Carl, and these people are replaced by yes-men and women. Wow. What a professional. Go ahead. What happens then? Well, what first, happens if, when the person isn't there? The first thing desk? is, if this is not a warning sign going off to the Congress of the United States, to the Republicans of the Congress of the United States, saying, first of all, we must protect Mueller's investigation. First of all, why is he still on air? Given his lies with Lanny Davis. 
Or why isn't he at least wearing a scarlet letter on his forehead, an L for liar? See what I mean? See what I mean, Chuck? Chuck Todd, may I call you Chuck? In the golden age of, uh, of journalism, go ahead. Secondly, we cannot blindly follow this president and his incompetency. Well, I tell you, everybody's blindly following this president and his incompetency. He's achieved a hell of a lot, don't you think? With the economy? With the military? With the courts? And I think, ladies and gentlemen, this is part of the problem. They don't like what he's achieved. Go ahead is a theme throughout this book and his recklessness and his disconcern for the national interest. Is this guy just sitting around flubbing out lines out here? And his recklessness and his disconcern for the national interest in favor of his own interest? This is a reporter? Go ahead. In favor of his own interest, it is time for the Republicans to say... The Trump presidency is a national emergency. A national emergency. So what do we do? Call out the National Guard, Carl? What? What? National emergency. The Trump presidency is a national emergency, folks. This is a reporter. This is a reporter on, I guess it's CNN, right? It's a reporter. Go ahead. It is up to us, both parties, to treat the Trump presidency as a national emergency. We're just getting at the surface of what's really. And I wonder what reporter Baldwin's going to follow up with. Go ahead. Uh, Do you think they will? Do you think they will? Carl, do you think the two parties will treat this as a national? I mean, Carl, come on now. By the way, what's Carl Bernstein? How much money has he made since Chuck Todd is very, very interested in this? How much does Chuck Todd make? Maybe he comes on the program, I'll ask him. Go ahead. I have no idea. What we have seen so far is an abdication of responsibility by the Republicans. Now, you Republicans in Congress, you need to impeach and remove your own president now. Come on now. It's a national emergency. It's the gravest threat to democracy we've ever seen. You got to do it. You got to remove your own president. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. my share of mechanics calling me saying they found something wrong that needs replacing when I've taken my car in for, say, an oil change. Those supposed uh, surprise high repair bills are terrible, right? Especially when you're not covered by a manufacturer's warranty anymore and you're paying out of your own pocket to fix them. That's why I strongly encourage you to get extended vehicle protection from CarShield. If your car has 5,000 to 150,000 miles, CarShield can save you from paying for high repair bills. Replacing your engine or even a simple sensor can cost thousands. When you're protected by CarShield, you can have your favorite mechanic or dealership fix your car. It's your choice. CarShield also provides 24-7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed for free. Not that your car is being fixed for free, the rental car. Get covered by the ultimate in extended vehicle protection. Get CarShield. Call 800-CAR-6100 and mention code LEVIN or visit carshield.com and use code LEVIN to save 10%. That's carshield.com or 800-CAR-6100 
and use code LEVIN to save 10%. A deductible may apply. We have this wonderful protection on our 2010 Camaro, the first a new Camaro model that came out. And uh, we've actually used it once. Not the car, the, sh- the warranty service. So I want to strongly encourage you uh, to, to look into this. This vehicle, extended vehicle protection is what we call it. Then it is wonderful. Car Shield, extended vehicle protection. 800 car, 6100. Use code LEVIN and you'll save 10%. You know, this program airs on the East, well, when it airs live on the East Coast and uh, 6 to 9 p.m., as you know, because you're listening to me on the East Coast and other times all over the country. In fact, you can hear it all over the world. And this show has succeeded despite being up. Let's take New York. I'm up against the Yankees and the Mets, which typically run, what, Mr. Producer, 6.37 p.m. on? I'm up against the Yankees and the Mets. And nobody can get the audience that we get despite the Yankees and the Mets because you're a patriotic Americans. You see what's happening to your country. And while we're all into sports, I definitely am, when you watch what's going on day in and day out in the media, you see Chuck Todd, the golden age of media isn't so golden. It's the golden age of yellow journalism, as I keep calling it. People need a place. They hear their principles reinforced, their belief system reinforced. They used to be able to go everywhere, to the movies. You could see John Wayne and Jimmy Stewart and so forth, or books, or TV, innocent sitcoms, you know, those sorts. Now you are blasted with propaganda day in and day out, and it's all left, left, left. So there's a few areas in our society Well, that doesn't happen. But it's a few too many for Chuck Todd. Chuck, can I be honest with you? Since you took over Meet the Press, it's lousy. Nobody wants to watch Meet the Press. We all know you're a leftist and you're married to a left. Nobody wants to hear your crap. It's like Jake Tapper on CNN. I'm the guy who makes sure Trump doesn't lie. You're a schmo. Nobody cares about you, Jake. You have no numbers either. Now I know I won't get Chuck Todd. I should have kept my mouth shut. We'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker. Somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building. We've once again made contact with our leader, Mark. Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. You know, even the analysis of what went on today in the Senate Judiciary Committee, the language is not correct. It's like a, like a political campaign. You know, if uh, Kavanaugh should succeed in being uh, confirmed, that would move, move the court to the right. What does that mean? doesn't move the court to the right. The Constitution, it's the constitutional system. I don't understand. Move the court to the right. We seek constitutionalists. It's not a political ideology. 
Or move it to the left or move it to the right. No, 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 no. There is a constitution. And then there isn't a constitution. The debate needs to be made properly. The arguments need to be made the right way. It's not a question of moving the court to the right, like some political event. It's a matter of selecting individuals, confirming individuals who become justices, who will follow the Constitution. So it's pro-Constitution or anti-Constitution. And this is what I keep saying. Oh, you don't understand. I've been a commentator for 35 years in this town. I, I don't care. So you're not moving it to the right. That's New York Times pablum. Right, Chuck Todd, during the golden age of journalism? I just want to make sure. Mark, why do you keep using the golden age of journalism? Because Jake Tapper said it's the golden age of journalism. So he must be right. I have to assume he's right. All right. There was a blockbuster piece in the New York Slimes, I mean Times. Uh, Even though they're spinning it by Kenneth Vogel and Matthew Rosenberg, these are leftists, but that's okay. Ooh, wait a minute. Real journalists, because Roger Ailes wouldn't want me to call him. uh, Anyway, uh, and here's the title. Agents tried to flip Russian oligarchs. The fallout spread to Trump. All right, so that's kind of an innocuous headline. Then you start reading. It's a long piece. This is from the other day over the weekend. In the estimation of American officials, Oleg V. Derepska, D-E-R-I-P-A-S-K-A, you try it. A Russian oligarch with close ties to the Kremlin has faced credible accusations of extortion, bribery, and even murder. This is important. Stay with me. They also thought he might make a good source. Between 2014 and 2016... The FBI and the Department of Justice unsuccessfully tried to turn him into an informant. They signaled that they might provide help with his trouble in getting visas for the United States or even explore other steps to address his legal problems. In exchange, they were hoping for information on Russian organized crime and later, here you go, on possible Russian aid to President Trump's 2016 campaign, according to current and former officials and associates of Mr. Deripaska, the Russian. You got that? This is bigger, broader, deeper, and wider than we thought. In one dramatic encounter, FBI agents appeared unannounced and uninvited at his home, which he maintains in New York, and pressed him on whether Paul Manafort, a former business partner of his, of, of his, who went on to become chairman of Mr. Trump's campaign, had served as a link between the campaign and the Kremlin. The attempt to flip Mr. Deripaska was part of a broader, clandestine American effort to gauge the possibility of gaining cooperation from roughly a half a dozen of Russia's richest men, nearly all of whom, like Mr. Deropska, depend on Vladimir Putin to maintain their wealth, the officials said. Two of the players in the effort were Bruce Orr, <coughs> the Justice Department official, who recently became a target of attacks by Mr. Trump, and Christopher Steele, the former British spy who compiled a dossier of purported links between the Trump campaign and Russia... This is really crystallizing now, isn't it? 
the systematic effort to win the cooperation of the oligarchs, which has not previously been revealed, does not appear to have scored any success. Now, you understand what's going on here. The FBI, with Mr. Orr and Mr. Steele, are pressing this Russian oligarch and other oligarchs to give them dirt on Trump and the Trump campaign. And in exchange, they might issue visa, a visa or visas that he wants. Mr. Mueller, if you have half a brain cell left, if you have any self-respect whatsoever, you know you're investigating the wrong people. You know there was Russian collusion. And you know who's involved. Even the New York Times is spewing it out. Now, they're going to spin in a minute, but pretty amazing. And in Mr. Deripaska's case, he told the American investigators that he disagreed with their theories about Russian organized crime and Kremlin collusion in the campaign. A person familiar with the exchanges said, so the FBI and the Department of Justice under Obama, under Obama, pressing, pressing to get information on Trump and the Russians. And there was none. And there was none. There they are involving themselves in the campaign. Now the spin. But the fallout from the efforts is now rippling through American politics and has helped fuel Mr. Trump's campaign to discredit the investigation into whether he coordinated with Russia and its interference in the election. So what does all this mean right now? Let's stop here. Let's unravel it. It means the guilty parties are trying to get ahead of the story. So they went to these two libs at the New York Slimes. They filled in the gaps of the information that the Republicans have been trying to glean and have gleaned through their investigations, including their interviews, I guess, with Orrin Steele. The Democrats or the FBI or somebody or all are trying to get in front of the story, lay it out so it's, oh, we already read that. You know, what's the big deal? And now they spin it. This has helped fuel Trump's attack, you know, his campaign on Mr. Orrin. So what does that have to do with anything? This is an unbelievable story, unbelievable story that gets more and more unbelievable as the weeks go on. This was a concerted effort by official FBI. The contacts between Mr. Orr and Mr. Steele were detailed in emails and notes from Mr. Orr that the Justice Department turned over to Republicans in Congress earlier this year. A number of journalists, including some at conservative news outlets, have reported on elements of the contacts, but not on the broader outreach program to the oligarchs or key aspects of the interactions between Mr. Orr, Mr. Steele, and Mr. Deripaska. In other words, they're saying, this is worse Then John Solomon and Sarah Carter have been saying on the Hannity show, it's worse. But, so we're, we're the ones who are going to, who are going to expand. But, 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 you know, we only go so far because it's Trump. So Trump's using this as a campaign against the FBI. Well, of course he is. And of course he should. And so should everybody else. The revelation that Mr. Orr engaged Mr. Steele has provided the president's allies. See, here's the problem, Chuck. Chuck Todd. 
this isn't a straight news story. If they told it as a straight news story, it'd be one thing, but they don't. There's plenty of news in here, but it takes somebody like me, you know, who makes a lot of money, who's a conservative right-wing, you know, radio guy and has to unravel it all and so forth, his stereotype, to figure it out. It goes on. Well, Mr. Steele did discuss the research that resulted in the dossier with Mr. Orr during the final months of the campaign. Current and former officials said that Mr. Deripaska was the subject of many of the contacts between the two men between 2014 and 2016. Not to bore you, so what they say later in this rather long story is, you see, their contact with this Russian actually predates Trump even announcing for his campaign. So they're trying to help Orr and Steele. They've got a problem, these left-wing reporters at the New York Times. These guys want to get ahead of the story. <coughs> that is, the leakers. They want to get ahead of the story to get it out there before somebody says, gotcha. But then they want to pull back a little bit and say, but what's the big deal since we actually were building these relationships before the Trump campaign? And by the way, Trump's now using this to attack us. It doesn't matter if the relationship predated Trump announcing for President of the United States. It evolved into getting Trump. It evolved into getting Trump. We now have a dossier through the back, uh, that was used, funded by the Hillary campaign and the DNC, funneled through the same FBI uh, apparatchiks to get a warrant a phony warrant, really, on Carter Page as a way to get into the campaign. We now know they had a spy in the campaign. And now we know that the, the involvement of the FBI, the Justice Department, and Mr. Steele in trying to sabotage the Trump campaign was much, much bigger than one or two or three rogue FBI officials. The New York Times says so. Even though they won't conclude what I conclude, but the facts take you where the facts take you. This is pretty amazing. And it's received almost no attention. This came out, I believe it was Saturday, near the end of the, uh, the John McCain uh, memorial, hate Trump uh, funeral. Uh, it's been kind of drowned out now that we have the phony Woodward book and the spectacle of the Democrats uh, disrupting the Senate Judiciary Committee. But this is a big deal. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Invited uh, Chuck Todd on the program here to discuss his article, trashing Fox, trashing conservative talk radio, uh, that the media need to work together to fight back and things of that, and that basically uh, uh, those entities uh, uh, try to incite older white people. There's a lot of stuff in this story, and I very much like to talk to Chuck Todd. Now, I understand Chuck Todd likes to control the microphone and control the camera. I understand he likes to go into friendly interviews and so forth. I'd see if he has the guts to talk to me. Let's see, seriously. Let's see if he has the guts to talk to me. I will be 
very professional. Because here in talk radio, we actually have standards, unlike uh, the so-called media. Uh, But time will tell. And I expect time will tell us no. The same Chuck Todd who gave me an open invitation a couple of books ago to come on his program because he wanted to get his ratings up. I'm telling you the truth. Several people contacted me. His office contacted my publisher. I said, no, I don't think so. And by the way, uh, if his answer is yes, if you'll come and meet the press, I'll say fine as long as I can bring my camera crew or as long as it's live with no editing because I'm up to that game. 60 Minutes uh, has been doing that for nearly half a century. So we're well aware of that. Here's some news you will not hear from Chuck Todd or Jake Tapper. I went back and I started looking at this. Look at the Trump administration. Look, look, what have they done in 17 or 18 months? Well, you've heard some of this, right? Four million jobs created since the election. They've created almost half a million manufacturing jobs. Economic growth, as you know, this last quarter hit 4.2%. Unemployment claims are at a half a century low. This is big stuff. African-American unemployment, lowest rate ever recorded. Hispanic unemployment, lowest rate ever recorded. Asian-American unemployment, lowest rate ever recorded. Got that, Chuck? Not all white males. Women's unemployment, lowest rate in 65 years. How much reporting has there been on this? Youth unemployment, lowest rate nearly half a century. Lowest unemployment rate ever recorded for Americans without a high school diploma. Veterans unemployment, lowest rate in nearly 20 years. Almost 4 million people have left the food stamp program. That's a big deal, is it not? Huge tax cuts for a lot of Americans. He opened Anwar, the president, he approved the Keystone XL and Dakota Access Pipelines. We are actually now energy independent. I remember over the decades people talking about it on it. We actually are now energy independent. That is a big deal. The president has eliminated an unbelievable number of Obama regulations. Regulatory relief is a big deal, too. He tried to eliminate Obamacare. He got rid of the individual mandate. But John McCain, among others, voted no on getting rid of Obamacare. This is one of the reasons the media and the left love John McCain. The FDA now is approving more drugs. You know, people who have cancer, people who are ill, they can't afford to wait 8, 10, 12 years. They just can't. He withdrew the country from the so-called Paris Climate Accord, thank goodness. And that is a job killer, the Paris Climate Accord. Next year, $716 billion will be spent on the military. That's a record. NATO allies are spending nearly $70 billion more on defense since 2016. He's seeking to create the Space Force, the sixth branch of the armed forces, in order to deal with 
China and Russia. He's confirmed more appellate court judges than any other new administration in this period of time. We have Neil Gorsuch, of course. He killed the the Iran nuclear proliferation deal, is what I call it. He recognized Jerusalem as the capital of Israel, and he moved our embassy to Jerusalem. I just started thinking about this. And there's much more that he wants to do. These are all conservative things. All. Capitalist accomplishments. And for this, the the left hates him. Hates him. And uh, this is why I say that uh, we need to defend the Constitution. We need to defend the 2016 election. Look, if the left and the Democrats want to try and beat Trump in 2020, that's the way the system works. But they're not free to shortcut his presidency through a phony special prosecutor or phony impeachment process or any of the rest of it. That's what we call a coup. I've been calling it that from day one. I'll be right back. If you turn off your radio and open the window, you can probably hear him straight from the studio. Call Mark Levin at 877-381-3811. You know, when an emergency strikes, what's your first impulse? If your answer is run to the grocery store, well, guess what? Chaos, empty shelves. How do you avoid this? You got to think ahead. It's that simple. You got to plan today. You have to prepare now. One very practical place to start is storing up some food in your home. Now, I trust and use My Patriot Supply for my food storage. You can, too, so you'll be ready for earthquakes, hurricanes, it's hurricane season, long-term power outages, and more. Now, here's a great special that makes it very simple. Each person in your household should have a two-week emergency food supply from My Patriot Supply. These kits are only $75 right now and contain 92 servings of breakfasts, lunches, and dinners. Take action. Call 800-294-2325 or go to my special website, which is preparewithmark.com. The food lasts up to 25 years in storage. Meals compact in a rugged, slimline tote, too. Only $75. Rest tonight knowing you're prepared. Order your food kits right away. Call 800-294-2325 or go to preparewithmark.com. That's 800-294-2325 or go to preparewithmark.com. Let me ask you folks a question. This uh, Kaepernick, it's back in the uh, news. If he's a social justice war, is there a reason why the lib media hasn't followed him around for the last year to see exactly what the social justice warrior does? I'm quite serious about this. Why don't they follow? What, what is he doing? He's a social justice warrior. I see. By taking a knee. I see. So as you've heard by now, Nike thinks this is very cool. Nike thinks this is very cool. So uh, they waded into this. Uh, They have uh, made Kaepernick their, uh, what is it, 
their hero of the year. Let's put it that way. They're celebrating 30 years of just do it. And Kaepernick has surrendered everything. He's given up everything for taking the knee for social justice. This is BS. They're using each other. Kaepernick is using Nike and Nike is using him. And you know what? They can all go to hell. As far as I'm concerned, no, I don't need Nike. Never have needed Nike. You need sneaks, you know where to get sneaks. Get them somewhere else. Shirts, T-shirts, hats. Now, if you're wearing something that says Nike on it, you're wearing something that says, take a knee during the national anthem. That's what they've decided. That's their decision. That's my decision not to buy any Nike. Stephen A. Smith on ESPN today, he had an interesting take on this. Cut 15, go. What impact will this campaign have on the Nike brand? Unfortunately, I think it'll help the Nike brand. I mean, as of, you know, when the markets opened this morning, they were down about 3%, but still up about 27% year over year. They're going to make money. They're the largest, uh, you know, they, they dominate the foot, the foot gear industry. We all understand that this is who they are. But the reason why I use the word unfortunate uh, is because I don't know if anybody's gotten this. Nike essentially hijacked this issue. They have now made themselves, instead of Colin Kaepernick, the face of, of all of this. And, and, you know, you can look at it and you can say, well, Colin Kaepernick taking a knee and Colin Kaepernick has a collusion case against the National Football League and what have you. But Nike essentially hijacked the entire movement because by doing this and commemorating Colin Kaepernick, and we're talking about their 30 year commemorating the 30 year, uh, you know, of their just do it campaign or what have you. We're going to find ourselves talking more about Nike now than we are about Colin Kaepernick than we are about the protest. That's very interesting, actually could be accurate but all that said i say a plague on other houses i'm tired of these left-wing corporations i really am i'm tired of them they compete they succeed in a capitalist system they make an enormous amount of money their executives make an enormous amount of money and then just to show that they're also social justice warriors they link up with colin kaepernick and I would say to my good friend, Stephen, and he is my good friend, where's all the social justice activity? What is Colin Kaepernick actually doing? I know he gave money to this. I'm not. What's he doing day to day? I mean, there's a lot of social injustice out there going on, right? This is a full-time job. At least in the off-season, it's a full-time job. I mean, you've got to be fixing social justice day in and day out, 16 hours a day. There's so much injustice, so much inequality, so much this and so much that. You can't just give a little money here and give a little money there and expect that. to No, 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 no. So what does Colin Kaepernick do every day? And as far as collusion in the NFL, why is it a problem? Let me just stipulate I have no idea. But why would it be a problem if all the teams got together and said, you know, I don't want to hire this guy. Why should I hire this guy? He's got to be busy doing social justice. He can't be playing full-time football. I'm doing social justice. Go ahead and do your social justice. What's the problem? Well, it's discriminatory. No, it's not. These are at-will employees. I don't like that guy. I'll get rid of that guy. 
I am an owner, after all. I own the team. The players work for me. Oh, yeah, it's true. It's true. I hate to say it. I hope you folks saw uh, Shelby Steele on our rerun on Sunday, 10 p.m. Eastern. That's the guy. He knows what he's talking about. Colin Kaepernick is a free man. He's a free man. He can do whatever he wants. Well, he can't play football. Well, he was a free man. He did whatever he wanted. You can't go around poking employers in the eye and say, hey, you have to hire me, otherwise you're colluding. Yeah, we're talking to each other. We think you should be busy doing social justice. Whatever that means. People need to define these terms, too. Social justice. What is that? Economic equality? What does that mean? Social justice. Economic equality? Or the cops are bad? Or what, what is that? Uh, so anyway, uh, so goes the NFL. We'll see how that works. You know, some teams are better than others when it comes to this stuff. They really are. Like, I don't see all this on the Washington Redskins. I just don't. Or, some, or a number of the other teams. It, it is a minority number of players. But no, I'm not going to buy any Nike stuff. Why should I? Then again, they're poking me in the eye. They're poking everybody in the eye. This is what they choose to do great. But it's not just Nike. Colin Kaepernick wants this too. He wants to be in the news all the time. His 10 seconds, 15 seconds. What are we now, year three? All right. Let's see who's out there who wants to speak on what issue. Let us go to Jeremy, Chicago, Illinois, on the Mark Levin app. How are you? Hello? Hello. Hi. Uh, I think he just answered my call. Yes, he did. Go right ahead. Okay. Um, yeah, but I just want to talk about, uh, you know, first of all, thanks for taking my call. You're um, welcome. And uh, I, I, thought, I, 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 thought it, I found it, like, a lot very interesting that, you know, the liberals and the media, like, the further we get into the presidency, the more... Uh, the more radical, the more desperate they get and trying to take down and throw the, the presidency. And I thought it was very interesting with the whole double standard thing you're talking about. Um, I thought it was very interesting. And I, I just kind of like wanted to underscore that point. Well, Jeremy, let me ask you a question. There you have the Democrats to a man and woman on the Senate Judiciary Committee throwing tradition out the window, throwing class out the window, trying to sabotage the hearings. And all we hear is that Donald Trump doesn't play by the rules. Exactly, and this, this whole double standard, you know, and if you call him out on on this double standard, you know, you're 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 you you you're, you're like Hitler, you're you're a racist, you're a misogynist, you're all this and that. Uh, but then, you know, you can't ever call out the progressives and the media and Hollywood for what. Well, you obviously were influenced by Roger Ailes. I know, I know. All right, Jeremy, thank you for your call, my friend. Matt, Wichita, Kansas, the great KNSS, go. Mark, it's a it's a pleasure to talk to you. Um, I kind of echo the sentiments of of the last caller. Um, I'm a stay at home dad. My my wife and I own a small business, which happens to be a liquor store in Newton, Kansas. We do not quite three million dollars a year. I'm a stay at home dad. Uh, that has nothing really to do with it, other than the fact that. I get to hear a lot of this Kavanaugh crap. I get to hear a lot of the Fox News stuff. I stay home. He's he's going to preschool now. 
I'm very fortunate for that. And, and you hear this and no one that I know literally agrees with it. Like they're, they're mad about it. Like, what are these people talking about? And, and the more you talk to them, it's, they, they get angry and they want to vote even more for Trump nominees. Well, let's hope, let's, let's hope that happens. I mean, I'm hoping. All right, Matt, thanks for your call. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, have you ever heard of nitric oxide? You know, it's crucial. It's crucial to your existence. But even more than that, it fuels your energy. Take one atom of nitrogen and bond it with an atom of oxygen. You just created nitric oxide. It is a miracle molecule your own body makes that fuels your cardiovascular health and keeps you vibrant. Gives you lots of energy. That's for young people, but also as we age, our bodies need help with this important process. Super Beats by Human has harnessed the power of nutrient-enriched beets to create a superfood that helps your body make more nitric oxide on its own. It's very healthy. It's all natural. One teaspoon of Super Beets daily supports your cardiovascular health and blood pressure levels, giving you natural energy without a quick caffeine kick or sugar high. We're talking real, healthy, natural energy. Stephen from Illinois says taste is pleasant, as is the increase in energy. Great caffeine substitute without the negative caffeine side effects. I want to strongly encourage you to jump in. Call 866-205-4907. Or go to superbeats.com slash Levin, L-E-V-I-N. Find out how you can get a 30-day supply of Superbeats and free shipping. Let me repeat that. A free 30-day supply of Superbeats, free, and free shipping with your first purchase. Feel the one plus one equals lots of energy. Great for your heart. That's the effect of Superbeats. Call 866-205-4907 or go to superbeats.com slash Levin today. Again, I strongly encourage you to try this. It's all natural, and it really kicks in, and it's really going to help. All right. Where was I here? Oh. Now, it comes out in about, what is it, six weeks. But I want to talk to you police officers, police officer families. But you know what? I want to talk to all of you who support law enforcement out there. And I don't know what we do without law enforcement. They're all under attack. ICE is always under attack. The Border Patrol, local cops are under attack. Well, my father, who's 93 now, is a World War II vet. He taught his kids to respect law and order, to be patriots. He's come out with his book that he's worked on for a long time. It's called Our Police. In Our Police... My dad uses his distinctive, vivid style, this is how Amazon writes it, to honor the brave men and women in uniform who spend their lives protecting us. He showcases 
the many members of the force, from the traffic police to the patrol car officers, the state troopers to the helicopter police, who are all dedicated and committed to protect and serve all the people of their community each and every day. And he created this story to help young people see the police force as friends, guardians, and protectors who work tirelessly to keep our world safe and secure. My dad is a super patriot. He reveres this country. And he wants it to remain the magnificent country that it is. And he tries to defend the various institutions of this society. That's what he taught me. My mother too. It is a beautiful book. It is a special book. The colors in this book are fantastic. And I don't know if you know, the children's books are much more expensive and difficult to produce because of all the colors and the thickness of the paper that's used. So it actually goes through the the binding process several times, more than, say, the, the, than a book that I write. And the hardcover is $18.99. And you can pre-order your copy now. You can go to Amazon.com or any of the bookstore online services. Or just go to Mark Levin Show Facebook or Mark Levin Show Twitter. But I wanted to mention this today so you can, you can get a head start and pre-order your copy. You can see a, a picture of it online. It is absolutely beautiful. If you purchased any of his other books about Abraham Lincoln, Abraham Lincoln's Gettysburg Address, or Abraham Lincoln's uh, Second Inaugural Address, Malice Toward None. Uh, they're, just, they're just magnificent books. Also, uh, his book uh, Proverbs is a beautiful book as well. But this one, I think, is, uh, is really the top of the line. Again, it is beautiful. He does all the illustrations himself and all the wording himself. So he wants to celebrate the brave men and women in blue, our police force, your police force. Go online, Amazon.com, or as I say, any of the online purchasing uh, uh, platforms. It's, called, it's simple. It's called Our Police by Jackie Levin. I'm very proud of my father, very proud of my mother. And this is just an absolute beautiful addition. Uh, if it's, uh, uh, I think at uh, the ages, I would say, people might say maybe four to ten years old or three to ten years old, something like that. But it's a beautiful book to have in your home. Well, you can get it as a Christmas gift, a Hanukkah gift, or, or not a gift at all. Just because it's a cool book. All right. Yes, I have cool parents. I really do. Let's continue, shall we? Frank, Raleigh, North Carolina, the great W-E-E-B. Go. Hello, Mark. Uh, last time we spoke. Frank, I just gave you a big intro. Are you still there? Did you fall asleep? I'm still here. Is Frank there, Mr. Producer? I'm still here, sir. I guess not. I can't even hear Mr. Producer. How about Kathy in Bend, Oregon? Kathy, are you there? I am here. All right, Rich, I'm not hearing anything in my headphones. Yeah, something that we have a technical problem is what we have. Because I can't hear a thing in my headphones, and I don't know why. All right. There's a piece in the New York Times. It's called 
What's the point of the Supreme Court? It's a good question. And oddly enough, it's, it's written by somebody who I would consider a liberal. Yep. Are we done, Mr. Producer? I can't hear. All right, bye, folks. See you on Thursday. Thursday.